My name is Jake Fox, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with scores! Now it's what? Right. Pinnell scores! Hands off for Rabel. Switches hands and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. It is LaxCon week. And we are stoked to cover another week of professional lacrosse. Adam, how are you doing this week? I'm good, man. Trying to stay warm. We got three inches of snow here in Beemore the last night. Had a good walk with the dog today and glad I work from home. So didn't have to go out in it too much. Yeah, hasn't hit us up uh, in the Northeast too much. Uh, I mean, it's been cold, but that's to be expected. Um, And, you know, where I work in Secaucus is perpetually uh, stormy and rainy, but... Other than that, hasn't been too bad weather-wise. We're hoping the weather holds off in Philadelphia this weekend for LaxCon because I know we're both stoked to go to that. Uh, you know, you're from Philly. Uh, I have some ties to Philly myself with, uh, you know, being engaged to a Philadelphian. And uh, I recently was there last week. Unfortunately, your birds did not get the victory. I don't know if I'm bad luck because I was at the game. Um, Cold-hearted, man. Yeah, Jeez, I'm, I'm it was sorry. rough. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it was the fact that I did wear an eagle shirt, but I was wearing my Ravens hat as well. You know, I had to I had to rep both birds, so um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, but now, you know, you, you still have a team to root for, Adam. It's the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, we're gonna win this week against the Titans and hopefully go all the way to the Super Bowl. I got my Super Bowl hoodie on right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to watching the game with you this weekend following LaxCon. Yep, absolutely. But we got some big plans for LaxCon. We're hoping to meet a lot of you guys there. Um, you know, if you are going, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to meet you. Um, you know, we're looking at this as a, a big networking event. You know, we're excited to meet some of the players, but it's you know the fellow, but it's also you fellow creators out there too that we're excited to to meet as well. Um, but with that, with that being said, uh, let's get into this fast break. We only had two games this week, so why don't you recap the games from the NLL? Game one, the Wings defeated the Riptide in a closer contest than most would have thought, fifteen to twelve. And in Game 2, the Mammoth continued their winning streak at home with a 13-9 victory over the Warriors. So that's our fast break. Now let's hit our quick stick and recap some of the news from around the leagues. Yeah, no, for our quick stick, we, uh, we have a lot of news. Let's first start off with the NLL. We have Steve Priolo will return to the Buffalo Bandits lineup this weekend, uh, which is big for them considering how much the Bandits defense struggled in their last game against the Thunderbirds. It was the first game the Buffalo captain missed in seven seasons, 138 consecutive games to be exact. I'm sure they're happy to have him back uh, in this big game against the Swarm this weekend. Some other news in the NLL, uh, you had former New England Black Wolves GM Rich Lisk uh, named the executive vice president of GF Sports, the entertainment group that owns the New York Riptide. That will be a big loss uh, for the Black Wolves, uh, but he will be replaced at GM by Black Wolves head coach Glenn Clark will take on the dual role of head coach and general manager following the departure of Lisk. In some MLL news, Pro Lacrosse Talk contributor Dan Arestia uh, spoke to the MLL uh, and revealed some details about their upcoming 20th season. Uh, the MLL will start the season on May 30th, which is the same weekend the PLL will start its season. It plans to operate six teams, uh, and currently si- season tickets are available for the Boston Cannons and New York Lizards with Chesapeake soon on the way. No other info on other teams' season tickets availability is currently known. Uh, and then he has some news about the Charlotte Hounds. Uh, they are expected to come back in 2021. Their return to the MLL is progressing on schedule. Ownership is you know, interested in getting the team into the new facility, and the league plans on having them return the following summer. 
In some PLL news, the league announced its new podcast network, which will feature a podcast called The Unbuckled Chinstrap and will be hosted by your very own Paul Rabel. Uh, He'll have a bunch of players on as guests, as well as we can assume some coaches and maybe some former players. And then you have The Inside Feed, which will be hosted by Lisa Redman and Emma Adams. That'll be more of an off-the-cuff podcast, which is supposed to be more entertaining and, uh, you know, go into some PLL news uh, and updates. Some more news in the PLL. Uh, The Chrome Water Dogs and Atlas all announced assistant coaches uh, joining their staff. For the Chrome, you have Nick Fiorentino and Jacques Monte. For the Water Dogs, you have Robert Cross and Brendan Dawson. And finally, with the Atlas, you have two Syracuse alumni in Rick Beardsley and Stephen Brooks, my favorite of the new hires. Um, I'm really excited about the hire of Brendan Dawson. Uh, kind of keeps along with the Water Dogs Delco theme. I uh, played against uh, Coach Dawson when he was at Widener when I was at E Town. So, really excited uh, to see him getting the nod with the Water Dogs. Yeah, no, yeah, I know you want that, that squad to be uh, have some Philly roots to it, and that's a good start. Absolutely. And then also in the PLL, they announced that they will return to Gillette Stadium in Foxborough for week one of its regular season on May 29th and 30th. Uh, this time playing on Friday night and Saturday, presumably. Uh, and, you know, the Gillette Stadium crew will have a lot more time to get the field ready since the Patriots are now no longer in the playoffs. And I know me and you both were happy about that. Absolutely. Sorry, New England fans. Uh, we also have a report from Pro Lacrosse Talk contributor Dan Arestia that the PLO will also be playing at Laval Stadium at Stony Brook University on the weekend of June 13th. Now, this has not been confirmed by the PLL, uh, but, you know, Dan Arestius uh, has some sources that have told him that Stony Brook will be a location for one of the weeks in the PLL, and that weekend is expected to be June 13th. Um, so that's our quick stick. Adam, any takeaways from these pieces of news? Yeah, I'm excited for, for the PLL to head up uh, to Long Island and, and play at Stony Brook this season, you know. Um, smaller of a facility than, than some of the um, places they played last year, but bigger than Fuse, a little bit bigger than, than Homewood. I think it will have that homey feel to it. Um, you know, the best turnouts last year were at places like Albany and Hopkins. So um, to, fill a, to fill a facility like that will be great uh, for um, images, the league in general. Yeah, and they did some renovations, too. I believe they, they added some luxury suites uh, back in 2017. I think it's a great venue. Um, you know, I, I've heard things that, you know, it may be a little bit difficult to get to compared to some other areas in Long Island. But, again, I think Long Island's the best spot if you're going for the New York market. Um, nothing against Red Bull Arena. It's just not in the best area and a little challenging to get to, for whether you're coming from the city um, or, you know, even in New Jersey, it wasn't too difficult to get to, but... Um, you know, I think Long Island is the spot to be. You know, maybe they'll still go back to, you know, J- New Jersey and um, Red Bull Arena. It's not a bad venue, but um, I do think if they're going one or the other, I'd take Long Island over over uh, Newark. That being said, uh, another t- takeaway for me, though, is how much I love the hires by Ben Rubior. He asked on social media who we think uh, should be added to his staff, and I think he knocked it out of the park, particularly with Beardsley. I mean, he's going to be electric and mic'd up on NBC if you thought Coach Towers could bring the energy, wait till you get a load of Uncle Ricky. I'm sure he's going to have some memorable moments uh, being mic'd up on the sidelines, and I'm sure you know that's an added bonus to having him on a, this coaching staff. But in terms of the X's and O's, he was a terrific defender at Syracuse. He played one year pro uh, with the Rattlers. Um, but I think he's the type of guy that will 
really transform this defense because we talk about they have a lot of talent. I think he can really get that group to kind of buy in because they were one of the weaker defensive units in the league last year, um, and it wasn't because of lack of talent. I think maybe lack of scheming. And Trevor Baptiste was really able to make up for some of those shortcomings by being able to win so many possessions for the Atlas. So, um, you know, it was very evident when he was not there in their last game um, that they had some holes to fill. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, maybe Beardsley's able to step in and introduce some new schemes that can kind of help this defense play at its potential. Um, And then it's cool that Stephen Brooks will technically be the first former PLL player to be a coach, um, having suited up one game for the Atlas last year. You know, he didn't play much. Um, but, you know, technically he is the first former PLL player to be a coach, and uh, I think he's a great pick as well. Um, you know, retired this off season and is not missing a beat by joining this Atlas coaching staff. Um, so those are what your coaching staffs look like. I know you're excited about the Brendan Dawson uh, joining the Water Dogs as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's key to not overlook these assistant coaches and how much they can mean for the teams um, that they are on, you know, we talked about how Tony Rush really helped with that Archer's defense. You know, the Redwoods are looking to replace Don Marzano, who announced that he would be stepping down. Um, We've actually heard from Dan Arestia as well that uh, we could be getting news on a potential replacement for him, uh, whether it be the end of this week or early next week. Uh, So be on the lookout on our social media for that. Um, But that really wraps up our quick stick discussion Uh, We kind of looked at what the coaching staffs are going to look like. Now let's take a look at what these teams may look like in 2020. Uh, We are less than a week away from January 13th when the original six teams' protected players' rosters are due. Dan Arestia put up a nice article breaking down the challenges each team will face in deciding their rosters. Um, And we gave our picks for each team. So let's discuss them right now, Adam. We'll start with the defending champion, Whipsnakes. Adam, me and you both decided that we would keep Kyle Burnlore, Bryce Young, Matt Dunn, Matt Rambo, Ryan Drenner, Jake Bernhardt, Mike Chanichuk, Connor Kelly, Michael Earhart, and Joe Nardella. That leaves one spot left. Um, I chose to keep Ty Warner. You chose to keep John Haas. Talk me through your rationale for keeping these 11 guys, and, uh, and why'd you choose Haas over Ty Warner? I'll say it now, and it, it'll go for all, all of the other uh, teams in the league, too. This was a tough decision, and we're going to look back and say, why did we not keep one person over another? But I, I really liked how John Hoss really came on at the end of the season for the Whip Snakes. Um, had a fantastic uh, playoff run there. And those three goals in the championship uh, kind of propelled him, I guess, onto my roster over a guy like Ty Warner. Um, but, you know, Ty Warner is a fantastic player, and the short stick – uh, D-Mitty side of things is definitely needed too. I just felt a little bit more behooved to, to keep Haas on the roster. Goalie was, in a, this was an obvious one. I think goalie was probably the easiest decision for, for most of these squads, obviously. Um, uh, whether you wanted to keep a goalie or not keep a goalie for some squads. Um, Kyle Burnlore obviously was the right choice there. And it just, depending on how, I think the success of the Whip Snakes was really all about their offense last year. They had a strong defense, obviously, with Bryce Young, Matt Dunn, and so, some other guys. But um, the offensive side of the ball is really what impacted them. And uh, that's why I kept guys uh, like Ryan Drenner and John Haas on, on the roster when, when some other people may, may have left them off. Yeah, no, I, I kind of you know agree with that. I really kept Ty Warren because I think he's one of the best short stick defensive middies out there. I agree. Um, it was tough because, like you said, I think John Haas is an excellent middie. Um, I also grappled with, you know, maybe leaving Ryan Drenner off. But to me, he was so clutch throughout the season that it felt like a mistake to leave him off. 
Um, he's another tough one. And then some guys that we didn't even mention that I'm still shocked to think that they might go unprotected, but, you know, former Toroton Trophy winner Ben Reeves, Drew Snyder, who, uh, you know, was a pivotal part of a lot of those championship teams with Denver. Uh, he kind of flew under the radar with the Whip Snakes, but came up clutch with them, you know, in that week one winning that overtime game for them. Uh, he also had a goal in the championship. Um, so, you know, I, I, he's another guy that I think if he goes unprotected, he's going to be one of the first people to get picked up by the Water Dogs team, as would a Tim Mueller, who, again, I really would have liked to have kept on this team. It was between him, Bryce Young, and Matt Dunn, and I just think, you know, you got to go with Young or Dunn before him, but he's another pivotal part of that defense. So um, it, it's tricky. You know, it, it really is uh, with coming up with these rosters, as we'll see as we, we keep going. But, um, yeah, those are our picks right now, and uh, uh, we, we look forward to seeing them announced in a, week, in a week's time. Um, but going on off of that, let's go, you know, to the runner-up with the, the Redwoods. Uh, me and you both had Tim Troutner, Matt Landis, Eddie Glazner, Garrett Eppel, so we keep that defensive core intact. We both also had John Sexton, uh, Sergio Perkovich, Brent Adams, Sergio Salcedo. Uh, and then the attack is where we differ a little bit. I had Jules Henningberg and Ryder Garnsey, as did you. Um, but I kept Matt Cavanaugh. You decided to keep Pat Harbison. Um, talk me through why you chose to keep Pat Harbison um, over some of these other guys that, you know, we didn't even mention, like Greg Renly and Kyle Harrison and Joe Walters. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. I took the short med- stick D Mitty for this squad in comparison to the offensive um, player for you. But, you know, I think that comes down uh, to the success of this team, and it started with the defense for me, you know. Uh, they got to the championship game last year because of the play uh, of guys like Matt Landis and Landis Island. Um, and I think Harbison um, is the perfect short stick team midi to help that team succeed and he was a big reason why they got to championship weekend uh last year and you know it, w- it was tough leaving i mean who who would think a, a guy like kyle harrison would be left off a roster ever right but um when you're thinking of longevity you don't know how long he or beast are going to be playing or even guys like joe walters um are, are going to be around so um for longevity purposes i went with uh those guys um over over the the veterans and kind of the all-time greats you know i agree with you and i think i decided to keep matt cavanaugh because i just think a lot of the offense went through him you know, he may have not been the go-to guy like Ryder Garnsey or Jules Henningberg throughout the year, but he still made that offense go um, and really, you know, led that attack. Strong lefty finisher, you know, dodger, feeder. I mean, Matt Cavanaugh can do it all. We can't forget, like, the wonders he did at Notre Dame just a few years ago. Um, so that's why I chose to keep him. Um, you know, it, Harbison was tough for me. I really wanted to keep him. It's between him and Salcedo for me because I think Salcedo is a great player too, but he kind of fell off a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, and I think what ultimately did it for me is you have some two-way midfielders like Sergio Perkovich and Brent Adams on the team that can provide that defensive um, spark if need be, you know, that obviously, you know, losing Pat Harbison hurts, but you still get it from those guys. So that's why I decided to let him, you know, go unprotected. And I also think, you know, guys like you have Jack Near and Pat Harbison, and I don't see both of them getting picked up in this expansion draft, you know, maybe one or the other. So, you know, I think the odds are pretty good that one of them's going to return to the squad. Um, you know, Harbison might be, unfortunately, the man that gets picked up by the Water Dogs. But um, that was my rationale before for leaving him unprotected. And, yeah, you mentioned Kyle Harrison. I mean, Joe Walters had a great season. Uh, Greg Renlian's obviously a fan favorite. But, yeah, I think 
age is definitely a factor. You know, you want to invest in your young guys and make sure you keep them uh, for the long term. And so that's why, you know, it may mean sometimes, you know, exposing these older guys to this expansion draft. Um, but yeah, that that's the Redwoods for us. Moving on from the Redwoods, then, uh, we'll go to the Chrome. The Chrome's an interesting one. Uh, again, a, a lot of talent on this roster, despite, you know, being uh, one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I, I think, you know, they're still also going to have a tough time with who they keep. Um, and as we mentioned, you need to keep 10 position players and a goalie, because uh, me and you both talked about the idea of, you know, maybe leaving both these goalies unprotected um, with the chance that, you know, they both might come back to, or at least one of them would, uh, since they both, you know, seem to do just as well as one another in cage. Um, you know, John Galloway had a pretty up and down season, and Queener, when he came in, uh, performed, but he was also a little unreliable health-wise, and they're both up in age. So um, that that was kind of, you know, tough for us to have to pick a goalie, but, you know, I think giving Tim Sudan's history, uh, we both chose John Galloway as who will stay, um, rounding out the rest of the roster. Both had Connor Farrell, Justin Gutterding, Jordan Wolf, Ned Crotty, John Rannigan, Jordan McIntosh, Romar Dennis, Joe Fletcher, Mike Manley, and Joel White. So we had the same roster for the Chrome, um, but that doesn't mean there weren't some tough decisions to be made. Uh, you know, again, choosing between these goalies based on their season last year it was difficult, um, but I think Tim Sudan's history with Galloway in Rochester with the Rattlers is why he'll get protected. Uh, and then, you know, Joe Fletcher is another one that's, you know, been talked about maybe leaving him unprotected since he didn't play a full season, but I think when he came in, uh, he was by far one of their best polls uh, when he did join the team in what, what it was, week five, I believe. So I think you protect him, um, you know, and you leave some of these other guys exposed, maybe like Chris Sabia and Ryan Flanagan. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, another name we didn't mention on there was Matt Danowski, who was obviously, again, getting up there in years. I think that's kind of the MO for a lot of these rosters is, you know, looking at players' age. But he's another guy that, you know, definitely produced for the Chrome and, I think, you know, he could, you know, make an impact on the Water Dog squad if he does get drafted. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's too much more to add since we both had uh, identical rosters with this. But like, like you said, um, I, I really feel this team has just as much firepower and, uh, and uh, skill um, to, to be competitive going forward despite being at the bottom of the table at the end of last season. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing, you know, how uh, Tim Sudan reunites with a lot of his former Rattlers players and, um, you know, see where this chrome goes in this new direction. Uh, going off of that, though, we'll, we'll go to the Chaos, who arguably had uh, the most disappointing end to a season. Um, in terms of the rosters here, we both had Blaze Reardon, obviously, in net, uh, Connor Fields, Josh Byrne, Miles Thompson, Jake Ficaro, Miles Jones, Deemer Class, Troy Ray, Mark Lassini, Jared Newman, and Jack Rowlett. Again, our rosters are the same for the chaos, but that doesn't mean it wasn't without some tough decisions. Um, I know, you know, Kevin Buchanan's name has been tossed around. Uh, Deemer Class has, you know, kind of been uh, one of those bubble guys, and I think he had a really strong start to the season, and then it uh, looked like he had an injury towards the end of the season, didn't play in a few games at the end. Um, but I think he, he's a guy you still have to protect, in my mind. And, you know, some other guys we didn't mention, you know, at faceoff, Tommy Kelly, uh, you know, he was their guy. They didn't really have a face-off controversy, um, but me and you both chose to leave him unprotected. I think we're expecting, you know, maybe um, some other guys to go out there or some, them to be more focused on getting 
a guy in the draft. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I left him unprotected, but um, he's a guy that I could easily see get drafted. I don't know. What are your thoughts on some of these guys that could be on their way out from the Chaos team? Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think uh, between the squads we've already talked about uh, and a guy uh, like Brody Merrill, you could probably create a greatest of all time roster based off of the guys we, we've had left off uh, some of these squads. But um, like I said, for longevity purposes, for long-term success, I don't foresee uh, a guy like Brody uh, playing for too much longer. I'm really interested to see um, what guys like Curtis Dixon and Dane Smith do. Um, depending on how a squad like the Water Dogs uh, want to create a team, um, is it going to be heavy, heavily Canadian? Is it going to be heavy box guys? I don't see a lacrosse team that wouldn't be interested in guys like Curtis Dixon and Dane Smith. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but uh, I, I'm happy with uh, the guys we kept for this squad. Yeah, so am I. Uh, no disrespect to Brody Merrill. I mean, I think he still has a lot left in the tank, um, you know, and um, I could see him, you know, getting protected still over some guys like, you know, we mentioned maybe Deemer Class or Troy Ray. Um, again, it's it's kind of what you want to gamble, too, with. Like, I think a Curtis Dixon and Dane Smith uh, would do wonders on the Water Dogs team, but I don't see them getting taken ahead of a lot of these other guys that got more playing time in the PLL. So it's interesting. You kind of have to pick your poison with this. Um, and the Chaos also have a huge advantage in having three members of the military and Matt Reese, Johnny Serdick, and Grayson Terrain. Um, so those guys, you know, will be staying. They don't have to be protected as part of this 11-man roster. Um, and then Austin Stotts is considered a rookie holdout as well. And, I mean, if he comes back healthy and, you know, joins this attack unit, there's another piece that, you know, could really... Um, do wonders for the chaos. So I think the chaos are sitting pretty good right now um, in terms of who they have to protect. You know, again, you might lose a guy like a Tommy Kelly and a Brody Merrill if you don't protect them. But overall, I don't think they're going to see too much turnover um, after this expansion draft. And going from there, we'll go to the Atlas, uh, who we discussed, you know, are going to be helmed by Ben Rubior. Um, we both chose to keep all-star goalie Jack and Cannon. Uh, face-off guy Trevor Baptiste, Ryan Brown, Eric Law, Kieran McArdle, Ryan Conrad, Connor Busick, Kyle Hartzell, Tucker Durkin, and Cade Van Raphorst. And then, of course, at the end, we did decide to keep Paul Rabel, despite us both thinking that Paul could be a guy that goes unprotected. Now, we don't know, you know if he's going to have a say in whether he makes that 11-man roster or not, if it's up to Ben Rubior or if he's you know talking with Ben Rubior, but... He's another guy that I think's kind of on the bubble here, not because of, you know, it's more just his age again and the fact that um, I think there's some young talent on this team that you'd really, you know, prefer to protect. Um, again, he's more of an offensive midi, and, you know, you'd probably rather have a Ryan Conrad long-term who can play both ways. Um, you know, I don't want to do a disservice to Paul Rabel. We actually led the league in secondary assists. Uh, Joe Keegan told us that, you know, eight secondary assists, which I thought was low in general, but it's just a testament to how a lot of these teams are really winning their one-on-one matchups. And um, a lot of goals in the PLL, you know, were either uh, unassisted or only took one assist to score. So um, I don't think you can overlook Paul Rabel's impact to a team like this, but he is another guy that is in the tough decisions group, along with, you know, midfielder John Crawley as well. Um, Who do you think, though, is really... Uh, favorable to that might go unprotected from this team that could easily be picked up by the expansion 
Yeah, you know, a, a, a midfielder like Joel Tinney uh, is someone that's super interesting uh, coming out of college, obviously, from Hopkins and, and could be really successful, just like a guy like John Crowley. It's interesting. All my uh, tough decisions were Blue Jays, right? All three of them. So, um, But I ended up keeping Paul, like you said, as well. And I, he's been too hype on Twitter uh, about the uh, Ben Rubior's uh, addition uh, to, to the squad. Um, he, he's been posting uh, the texts and, and calls from him. I, I, for, I wholeheartedly expect uh, the Atlas to keep Paul this year. So, um, But, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough decision. But guys like those two midfielders, John Crawley and Joel Tinney, were, were the big ones that uh, I really struggled um, when it came to the final decision. Yeah, no, and, uh, again, some guys that we didn't mention, Noah Richard and Jake Richard, you know, two brothers. I mean – I think, you know, they, they could be kept on this list too. And, you know, maybe you sacrifice a guy like Kieran McArdle or Kyle Hartzell even at LSM to keep a younger guy, you know, at uh, defense like Noah Richard or midfielder Jake Richard. So, um, I don't know. It's tough. Um, and, you know, again, we, we haven't really talked about the goalies too much, but Scott Rogers, I think, has still got something left in the tank and can be a starter in this league. Um, and I foresee him going unprotected and getting picked up by this expansion squad as well um again we're going to get to kind of you know the goalies that um you know could be potentially drafted uh at a, you know on our next episode but um you know for right now i do think scott rogers is going to be on coach andy copeland's radar and finally you know we'll talk about the archers uh so for for this team uh we again had a similar roster but uh we varied a, a few points uh we both had drew adams at goalie uh, so we're both chose to keep Drew Adams when, you know, a lot of the consensus right now is to take Gittleman. I think Drew Adams, just based on his statistics, he had a better season than Gittleman, didn't play as much, um, and is older, so that could, you know, hurt him uh, in terms of, you know, our logic, you know, when we said that we want to keep some younger guys. And, again, of course, Adam Gittleman um, has, you know, ties through Utah with Will Manny and Marcus Holman. Um, but we both chose to keep Drew Adams. Uh, we both keep in Tom Schreiber, which is, you know, pretty pretty much a no-brainer. Uh, ben McIntosh, Will Manny, Marcus Holman, Dominic Alexander, Scott Ratliff, Matt McMahon, and Jackson Place. Uh, that leaves two slots open that we both differed on. Um, I chose to keep Danny Ipe, you know, the fastest guy in the league, and Christian Cuccinello, who really came on strong on the attack towards the end of the season. You preferred to keep Joey Sankey, you know, to kind of keep that UNC connection with him and Marcus Holman going. Uh, and Ryan Ambler at the midfield. So kind of talk me through your rationale between keeping your guys, and I'll tell you mine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, guy like Ryan Ambler played for Coach Bates at Princeton. Uh, and under the radar, I think he's one of the most underrated guys in the league last year. Had a really successful season. And after getting traded from the Redwoods, I really think Joey Sankey came into his own as well and, and can see uh, kind of him meshing with the rest of that attack line now. I know they do have the first overall pick winning the draft bracket last year, and I, I specifically didn't keep a face-off guy like Stephen Kelly because I fully expect them to take T.D. Erland first overall when it comes to draft night. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I differed with, the, you know, who I protected in terms of, you know, keeping Danny Ipe, and, you know, again, I think Christian Cuccinello really came on strong with this attack group towards the end, so that's why I chose to keep him. But I agree with you. I didn't keep a face-off guy because... I think, you know, they're going to take T.D. Erlin at number one. Now, if they don't, um, then, you know, it gets a little bit more interesting. And I think, you know, whether they keep a face-off guy or not will kind of um, be the tell to whether they are going to take T.D. or not. You do risk 
leaving you know your two face-off guys and him and Brendan Fowler exposed. Um, but then again, remember, there's only allowed to take four players maximum from your team. So I think it's a good gamble to take. I think you assume that you're taking TD Erlin at number one. Uh, you leave both these guys exposed. You probably get one back, whether it be Stephen Kelly or Brendan Fowler. More likely Brendan Fowler since Stephen Kelly is probably going to be a hot commodity. And then you kind of take your chances from there. But I think the Archers are the most interesting of the bunch. You know, we didn't even mention Mike Simon and Curtis Corley at the defensive side. Uh, you know, they, they played really well in this, you know, top-ranked defense in the PLL. Um, and then Mark McNeil was also another short-stick defensive mini um, that, you know, could get some could get some looks in that expansion draft. Um, so a lot of big questions, you know. They have a lot of – I think they had a good problem to have during the season with a lot of players that, um, you know, could really contribute. But now it's going to be a tough one whether they keep these guys or not because there's not really too many other than the Tom Schreibers, Will Mannies, and Marcus Holmans that really stand out, you know, on this roster to me as must-keeps. So that's where I think, you know, the Archers are going to have a tough time and we'll be interested to see what Coach Bates does with this roster. But those are our protected players lists. Um, tell us what you guys think. And we're also going to give you a chance to kind of, you know, test those predictions out. Uh, we are doing a protected players prediction challenge. You can sign up by first following us on Instagram, sharing the challenge post on your story. Then you can head over to prolacrosstalk.com and fill out your form. Uh, we have a soft deadline right now of January 13th because that is when the rosters are due. But we're going to leave the challenge kind of open until the PLL announces the list. Um, so, you know, again, January 13th is the deadline you should aim for. But if they don't reveal these rosters right away we will leave it open but yeah we, we thought it'd be a cool little challenge to do um kind of like you know a lot of teams in the nfl do predict the 53-man roster we're having you predict the 11-man rosters for each of the six teams you will get a point for each correct pick that you get so you can have the maximum of 55 points um, but yeah we think this will be a fun challenge and if you win you'll get a nice pro lacrosse talk beanie and a pro lacrosse talk koozie so be sure to sign up for that challenge before the January 13th deadline and uh, give yourself the best chance to win. With that, we'll go to a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then let's dive into the NLL games from this weekend. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, the Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, welcome back. So we only had two games this weekend. It was the Riptide taking on the Wings and the New York-Philly rivalry, uh, and then you had the Mammoth hosting the Warriors as well. So let's start off with this first game of the, the weekend, which was the Riptide hosting the Wings. Uh, 
The Wings tonight, a late comeback attempt by the Riptide. Um, again, the Riptide fall to 0-5. Um, they continue to look better as the season progresses, but they're still not there yet. Um, I think they're still a long ways away. They did get some good performances out of their rookies. Ty Gibson recorded a hat-trick uh, on the day and kind of led that comeback effort. And Jake Fox, you know, who we recently had on the podcast, got his first goal four minutes into his first career start. Um, and then John Wagner also had his first career goal. So uh, a big night for the Riptide rookies despite the loss. Um, it was also a great battle at the X between arguably the best field lacrosse face-off specialists in their respective leagues and Trevor Baptiste and Alex Woodall. You know, Trevor Baptiste playing in the PLL, Alex Woodall in the MLL. Um, and it was pretty close. It was nearly 50-50. Uh, Baptiste just barely edged out Woodall. Um, and he recorded his 400th face-off win in less than two seasons. Um, a career milestone for him in this. Um, but I think even more impressive and, uh, you know, kind of a testament to how well-rounded this wing squad is, is how good he's been on defense and transition. He's averaged about... Uh, 40 seconds per face-off for time on the floor and had two goals in this game. So he's been more than just a Fogo this season, uh, which we knew would have to be the case if he was to adapt to the box game. And I think he's really stepped up his game in this. Um, I don't know. What else did you see from this game, though, Adam, that kind of impressed you from this Wings team? Yeah, you know, I think the story for the Wings was their scoring depth this the past weekend. You know, Kevin Crowley and Matt Rambo both scored a goal on the evening, and Crowley had six assists. Rambo had five. Um, so the Wings really got scoring from uh, a lot of different people, from the likes of Josh Currier, Brett Hickey, uh, who each had a hattie on the night, Keel Matisse and Kevin Buchanan as well. So, I mean, the list goes on when it comes to the scoring. And, you know, that's what we were expecting um, coming into the season, getting a guy like Brett Hickey back from injury, um, something that was super important to this Wings roster, um, and they were missing last year. So to have him back, uh, to have a more well-rounded offense, to have a guy like Rambo, um, who is getting more acclimated week by week uh, to the box game. Um, good things are to come for the Wings. Yeah, no, and I think they, they, they looked in control of this game um, from start to finish, despite even when you know they, they went up and then let that Riptide team come back towards the end um, to tie it at 12-12. And you know, it really looked like the Riptide had all the momentum, but yeah. it's still you could tell that the, the Wings weren't really phased. Uh, they put together two late goals at the end to kind of you know, put the dagger in the riptide, and um, right now they're sitting at two and one, right there. You know, with the Georgia Swarm, they're sitting behind them just because they lost the head-to-head matchup. But um, they're still very much alive in this East Division race, and um, you know, I, I think again, like we mentioned, they're they're a well-rounded team. They have a little bit more experience under the belt compared to last year, and um, you know, this is only their second season altogether, and I, I think they're looking like uh, you know. They could be a contender if they keep putting it together week by week. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll see a little bit more from them. This is only, you know, their third game. Their their home openers this weekend, which we will be in attendance for, which we're looking forward to against the Warriors. Um, and I think that will be another good test for them. Uh, you know, I think the Warriors are a solid team. I don't think they're one of the top teams in the league, so I think it will be a good matchup for the, the Wings. And, you know, they've shown that they can beat these top teams like the Roughnecks, um, which they did on the road. So... I think they're going to, you know, have a good home opener coming up. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, another game that we want to talk about, you know, I just mentioned the Warriors. is this Mammoth Warriors game. Um, really, really fun game to watch. Tell me what you saw from both these squads that impressed you and what you think they really need to improve on. 
Yeah, you know, you would have expected a lot different of a result um, if you had only watched the first five minutes of this one. Uh, the Warriors jumped up to jump to a, a quick four nothing lead in in that short time span, and it really looked like the Mammoths were asleep. But luckily for Colorado fans, uh, they really found their sea legs and made this one a pretty competitive contest. Uh, it was tied going into the fourth quarter, but ultimately pulled away uh, by scoring five of the last six goals uh, in that fourth quarter. So it was a bounce back in large part uh, to the play of goalie uh, Dylan Ward, who continued his still stellar year despite that first quarter hiccup. Uh, Ward really... Ward only let up five goals uh, the remainder of the game and ended the night with 38 saves on 47 shots. So another awesome um, performance for him. I'm sure he doesn't think those first few minutes were great, but uh, solid overall uh, night for him. So uh, what did you see from the Mammoth in this one, Hutton? Yeah, Joey Capito really had a, a big night on the offensive front. He had a hat trick and two assists. Um, I, I just think this Mammoth team is you know firing all cylinders right now um they're clicking on offense and you know playing pretty well in front of Dylan Ward on defense but you know when you have an all-star goalie like Dylan Ward he's going to really keep you in any game and that's I think what you've seen from this mammoth team is consistency you know they've played four quarters every game that they've played you know they've been in every game they haven't really gotten down uh, in too many games, and when they have, they've been able to surge back and, you know, really take it to the teams that they face. I mean, I think we saw it in that Georgia game where the Swarm, you know, kept one-upping them, and it looked like the Swarm were, you know, just going to win this shootout between them, and they, they shut them down in that fourth quarter and, you know, were able to string a few goals at the end to, to get that victory against Georgia. So uh, right now they're looking like the best team in the West to me, um, I think, you know, no doubt. Again, Vancouver's a good team, but, um, you know, I, I just think the Mammoth are looking too too strong right now, um, and they'll have another, you know, big test against the Thunderbirds, you know, uh, who are undefeated. So I, I think it's going to be another great matchup. Uh, I don't think this schedule has been too easy for the Mammoth, and here they are at 3-1. and one, So I think they're the team to beat in the West, and uh, definitely a tough result for Vancouver who's still trying to find their way on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, to start out 4 nothing in the Loud House, uh, you couldn't have asked for a better start, and to kind of squander that away was very disappointing to see. Um, but despite the loss, you know, the familiar faces like Keegan Ball and Logan Schuss, uh, Mitch Jones continue to, to do well. Um, you know, both Keegan Ball and Logan Schuss finished with five points on the day. So uh, Warriors, again, they're they're not where they need to be right now, but I don't think they're in bad shape. I don't think a season turnaround is out of the question for them, uh, but they definitely need to get it together and string a few wins, and I think this game against the Wings this weekend is going to be a big test for them um, you know, on the road, and I think they're going to really need to get this win in order to gain some momentum going into um, you know, the next part of the season. Yeah, you know, we we talked about the wings. You know, talk about a team that's going the opposite direction after after um, expansion, right? You know, the wings are on the up and up, and hopefully the um, it's it. Yeah, you know, the wings are on the up, and luckily for the Warriors, they get to kind of potentially change that this weekend when they go up against the wings in Philly. Yeah, no, it's gonna be a great matchup. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing it in person. But going off of that, let's touch on our NLL fantasy lacrosse pick'em challenge. Uh, first, let's you know go over our top fantasy performers this week. In Cage, you had Dylan Ward, who led the league with 9.25 fantasy points, followed by Alex Buquet, who had 9 points. At forward, you had Kevin Crowley, who had 8.25 points. 
Uh, Logan Truss followed him with 7.25 points. And then Matt Rambo had 7. At the transition and defensive slot, you had Joey Capito at 7.25 points, leading that d- defensive transition position. And then Andrew Suter followed him with 6 points. And then Trevor Baptiste, who we mentioned had a really big day, had 5.5 points. Uh, we mentioned Kevin Crowley earlier. He was your epic lacrosse fantasy lock. Um, he got you, again, 8.25 points off of his one goal, six assists, one loose ball, and one cause turnover. Your lock could have been more spot on. My epic lacrosse fantasy lock was Matt Beers, who had a goal and 12 loose balls for four points. Not as big a day as some of his other defensive counterparts, but still got me a solid number of points for a defenseman. But now that we're heading into Week 7, Adam, I have to ask, who is your epic lacrosse fantasy lock for this weekend? You know, I'm going to kind of go the same way you did last week. We uh, always give the offensive side of the ball some love, so I'm going to go the defensive side of the ball and go with Toronto Rock defender Brad Cree, you know. Uh, last season, he didn't face off as much as he did this year, um, and this year he already has over 60 face-offs, and I think that uh, shows for the uptick in loose balls uh, so far this season. He, he's found uh, a few players for a few assists this season, and uh, going against uh, a, a franchise like Rochester this week, and you know... Uh, Brad Cree's only ever scored uh, no more than one goal a season. What what better game to, to score his goal uh, than against this franchise in Rochester? All right, I like it. And for me, I'm taking uh, Georgia Swarm's Randy Stotts. He has uh, only one goal this season, actually, but 14 assists. And as you know, in our fantasy lacrosse pick'em, assists count just as much as goals. And I really think he's going to get in the goal column um, so I, I fully expect him to have a big day against the Bandits. Um, again, he this offense really runs through him and the Thompson brothers, so I expect him you know, to have a big fantasy week. Lock it down. So those are our Epic Lacrosse Fantasy Locks. Let us know your lock by tweeting us your pick and using the hashtag Epic Lacrosse Fantasy Lock. And give yourself a chance to win one of those pri- weekly prizes of an Epic Lacrosse head. Uh, But that wraps up our fantasy section this week. We'll go to a quick break, and then we'll get back and discuss these game picks for this weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Let's get into the pick and roll. Uh, this past week, we only had two games. We both went one and one. Uh, obviously, Adam, you had the Wings, but you also picked Vancouver, where I picked the Mammoth and the Riptide. I am now 16-6 and six overall. Adam, you are 12-10, and 10, so you still have some ground to make up, but you didn't lose any ground this week as well. But let's go into these 
games to start. We have the Warriors and the Wings on Friday night, which we'll be at. Who are you picking in this one? You know, it's the Wings home opener in front of uh, uh, the Philly faithful. Um, and I think Vancouver has something to prove, you know, coming off uh, this most recent loss. But get one more win and they're back to 500. Warriors have a lot to prove. Um, so I'm going to take them in this one, and I, I think it's going to be a, a big offensive game. I think Logan Schuss is going to ha- have a big one in front of a big crowd. All right, well, I'm going to take the hometown team and go with the Wings. Um, again, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for both these teams, but uh, you know, the Wings are on the up right now, and the Warriors, I think, still need to figure it out on how to comp- put together a complete game. You know, Matt Rambo, again, is going to have a big day in this one. Um, you know, being the home opener and being a Philly guy, you know, I expect him to, to really show out for this one. Moving on from that, we have a, a Saturday matchup in Halifax between the Mammoth and the Thunderbirds. Uh, Adam, who do you like in this game? Uh, other than the game we're going to, I think that I'm most excited uh, to watch this one. You know, two teams at the top of their divisions right now. I'm really excited to watch this one, and I'm going to have to go with Halifax to stay undefeated. And I'm going to go uh, with Stephen Keogh continuing uh, his early season success. All right, I'm going Mammoth in this one, you know, for a lot of the reasons I mentioned earlier in our, our NLL discussion from this week. Um, you know, and I, I like, you know, Dylan Ward again to have a, a big day and kind of lead this squad uh, and, and knock off the Halifax Thunderbirds and hand them their first loss of the season. Moving on from that game, uh, at 7 p.m. on Saturday, we're going to have a Nighthawks rock rematch. Uh, you know, the the Rock ended up beating the Nighthawks earlier this season, but the Nighthawks played them pretty well. So I personally am going to go with the Nighthawks, I think, in this one. I think Sean Evans is really going to get this squad up. Uh, I think he's really come on strong these last couple weeks. Um, and I think, you know, the Nighthawks are in a little bit of better shape compared to the Riptide in terms of expansion franchises. So I think they, they upset the Rock this weekend. I know this was one that's surprising, and we may be in the minority beat. But I was going Rochester in this one as well to get the first W of the season. All right, so I like it. We were both on the Rochester bandwagon this week uh, to get the upset. Um, now let's discuss this Bandits Swarm game, which is taking place at the same time. Bandits are visiting in Georgia. Uh, they're coming off a pretty rough loss to the Halifax Thunderbirds two weeks ago. And they're playing you know, a Swarm team that also is coming off a loss and looking to get another win. So who do you like in this one, Adam? You know, this this is going to be a good one. Two teams that are really hungry uh, to stay where they are in the standings or, and move up. I'm going to take Buffalo in this one. Um, I know it's in Georgia, um, but I'm going to have to take the Bandits in this one to get back in the win column uh, after a tough loss last week, and I think Dane Smith plays well. All right, I'm going to you know take the Swarm. Um, you know, I think they're going to be at home. They're a little bitter off after that Mammoth loss, and I think Shane Jackson's going to have a big day. With that, we have our final game of the weekend on Sunday at 4 p.m. The Rush are taking on the Seals. Uh, I'll go first with this one. I'm going to take the Seals in this one. Um, They're coming off a gutsy win in overtime over the Vancouver Warriors last week. Um, They're playing a Rush team that has played really well. Um, Obviously, Evan Kirk had a phenomenal day in cage uh, two weeks ago, but I think the Seals are kind of hitting their stride right now. I think they're still lacking some power on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, obviously they're missing Austin Stotts and Casey Jackson, but those guys should return to the lineup soon. Um, but I, I think, you know, they're they're kind of at a crossroads right now. They got that big win. They got some momentum. Um, and I think they get the upset against the rush. 
Yep, I'm going the opposite way. I think Saskatoon's going to come out and get a big victory here. Uh, Robert Church is my player to watch. So those are our game picks this weekend. We do have some things we want to tease. Uh, our interview with Denver Outlaws goalie Kai Iomoto is up and has been released earlier this week, so feel free to check that out. Uh, his story is pretty remarkable. He you know, came over from Japan. He really wanted to be an MLL pro. Uh, he worked hard and eventually cracked that Denver Outlaws practice squad and then the roster. Uh, made his first start in 2018 and won a you know MLL championship with the Outlaws. So really phenomenal story. Really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, we also have our interview with Cannon's attackman Mark Cockerton, which will be up early next week. So be on the lookout for that as well. We want to remind you guys to sign up for either or both of our two challenges we have going on. You know, first our protected players prediction challenge, uh, and we're giving away like we said, a pro lacrosse talk koozie and beanie. Um, and then we also have our fantasy challenge that you guys can continue to participate in uh, and give yourself the best possible chance to win those prizes of custom epic lacrosse gloves at the end of the season. And finally, you know, we're happy to announce that we will be at LaxCon this weekend. Really excited to meet all of you. Feel free to let us know that if you're going to be there, DM us. Um, we'd love to meet you in person. Uh, we'll also be walking around to all the various booths. So if you have a booth at, the, at LaxCon, uh, we'll definitely try to stop by and talk to you. Uh, so feel free to you know let us know if you're going to be there. We look forward to meeting you guys. Um, and now that we come to overtime, Adam, I have to ask, even though I think I know your answer, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? Laxcom, baby. Can't wait to get home uh, to the friendly confines, get some mom's home cooking, and meet and chat with everyone that's going to be there this weekend. Can't wait to sit in on sessions. I signed up as a coach since I'm coaching this year, and luckily I'll be able to sit in a few of those sessions meet some of the fans, uh, meet some of the players, hopefully, we, we've talked to over the 54 episodes, and just, it's going to be an awesome weekend, can't wait. Yeah, no, of course, mine is uh, LaxCon as well. I'm particularly excited about Joe Keegan's presentation. I think he's analyzed every PLL goal, and is going to go through a lot of different statistics from the first season of the PLL, and really talk about where lacrosse analytics is going, so that's one of the talks I'm, I'm really looking forward to. A lot of great talks, though, at LaxCon. Uh, so many that we, we probably won't even be able to hit them all, but uh, we're looking forward to you know going to LaxCon this year. And as I said earlier, we're hoping to, to meet all of you, um, so feel free to reach out. Uh, but that wraps up episode 54. Again, thank you guys all for listening. Please subscribe and consider leaving us a review if you enjoyed this episode. And we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Mm-hmm.